Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we are going to read chapters 41 and 42. Now in the last episode, we read chapters 39 and 40, and Piper is the next demigod who, who we see is able to communicate with her godly parent, who is Aphrodite. Aphrodite provides a very crucial information as to who is behind all of these monsters rising once again, which is Gaia. And Piper also learns that she might be the leading factor into saving this war and the face of humanity. But after that, Piper is left promptly with this dream as she wakes up and soon discovers that A, her entire group got a wardrobe change except for Jason, and that now they are going to start their expedition to Mount Diablo, where Piper's dad is currently being held by the Cyclops and Salatus. So now we'll read chapter 41 to see how this expedition will go for them. So now we're going to read chapter 41, Leo. Leo hoped the taxi could take them all the way to the top. No such luck. The cab made lurching, grinding sounds as it climbed the mountain road, and halfway up they found the ranger station closed, a chain blocking the way. Far as I can go, the cabbie said. You sure about this? Gonna be a long walk back, and my car is acting funny. I can't wait. I I can't wait for you. Wisher. Leo was the first one out. He had a bad feeling about what was wrong with the cab, and when he looked down, he saw he was right. The wheels were sinking into the road like it was made of quicksand. Not fast, just enough to make the driver driver think he had a transmission problem or a bad axle. But Leo knew different. The road was hard-packed dirt. No reason at all it should have been soft, but already Leo's shoes were starting to sink. Gaia was messing with them. While his friends got out, Leo paid the cabbie. He was generous. Heck, why not? It was Aphrodite's money. Plus, he had a feeling he might never be coming off this mountain. Keep the change, he said, and get out of here, quick. The driver didn't argue. Soon all they could see was his dust trail. The view from the mountain was pretty amazing. The whole inland valley around Mount Diablo was a patchwork of towns, grids of tree-lined streets and nice middle-class suburbs, shops and schools, all these normal people living normal lives, the kind Leo had never known. That's Concord, Jason said, pointing, uh, pointing to the north. Walnut Creek is below us, to the south, Danville, Pastos Hills, and that way. He pointed west, where a ridge of golden hills held back a layer of fog, like the rim of a bowl. That's the Berkeley Hills, the East Bay, past that, San Francisco. Jason? Piper touched his arm. You remember something? You've been here? Yes. No? He gave her an anguished look. It just seems important. That's Titanland. Coach Hedge nodded toward the west. Bad place, Jason, trust me. This is as close to Frisco as we want to get. But Jason looked toward the foggy basin with such longing that Leo felt uneasy. Why did Jason seem so connected with that place? A place Hedge said was evil, full of bad magic and old enemies. What if Jason came from here? Everybody kept hinting Jason was an enemy, that his arrival at Camp Half-Blood was a dangerous mistake. No. Leo thought. Ridiculous. Jason was their friend. Leo tried to move his foot, but his heels were now completely embedded in the dirt. Hey guys, he said, let's keep moving. 
The others noticed the problem. Gaia is stronger here, Head grumbled. He popped his hooves free from his shoes, then handed the shoes to me, to Leo. Keep those for me, Valdez. They're nice. Leo snorted. Yes, sir, coach. Would you like them polished? That's varsity thinking, Valdez. Hedge nodded approvingly. But first, we'd better hike up this mountain while we still can. How do we know where the giant is? Piper asked. Jason pointed toward the peak. Drifting across the summit was a plume of smoke. From a distance, Leo had thought it was a cloud, but it wasn't. Something was burning. Smoke equals fire, Jason said. We'd better hurry. The wilderness school had taken Leo on several forced marches. He, fo- he thought he was in good shape, but climbing a mountain when the earth was trying to swallow his feet like- was like jogging on a flypaper treadmill. In no time, Leo had rolled up the sleeves in his- on his collarless shirt. Even though the wind was cold and sharp, he wished Aphrodite had given him walking shorts and some more comfortable shoes. But he was grateful for the, for the Ray-Bans that kept the sun out of his eyes. He slipped his hands into his tool belt and started summoning supplies. Gears, a tiny wrench, some strip of bronze. As he walked, he built, not really thinking about it, just fiddling with the pieces. By the time they neared the crest of the mountain, Leo was the most fashionably dressed, sweaty, dirty hero ever. His hands were covered in machine grease. The little object he made was like a wind-up toy, the kind that rattles and walks across the coffee table. He wasn't sure what it could do, but he slipped into his tool belt. He missed his army coat with all its pockets. Even more than that, he missed Festus. He'd use a fire-breathing bronze dragon right now. But Leo knew Festus would not be coming back. At least, not in his old form. He patted the picture in his pocket, the crayon drawing he'd made at the picnic table under the pecan tree when he was five years old. He remembered Thea Kalida singing as he worked, and how upset he'd been when the winds had snatched the picture away. It isn't time yet, little hero, Thea Kalida had told him. Someday, yes, you'll have your quest. You'll find your destiny and your hard journey will finally make sense. Now Aeolus had returned the picture. Leo knew that that meant his destiny was getting close. But the journey was as frustrating as this stupid mountain. Every time Leo thought, thought, thought they reached the summit, it turned out to be another ridge with an even higher one behind it. First things first, Leo told himself, survive today. Figure out crayon drawing of destiny later. Finally, Jason crouched behind a wall of rock. He gestured for the others to do the same. Leo crawled up next to him. Piper had to pull Coach Hedge down. I don't want to get out my outfit dirty, How Hedge complained. Shh, Piper said. Reluctantly, the satyr knelt. Just over the ridge where they were hiding, in the shadow of the mountain's final crest, was a forested depression about the size of a football field, where the giant Enceladus had set up camp. Correction, not the Cyclops Enceladus, the giant Enceladus. Trees had been cut down to make a towering purple bonfire. The outer rim of the clearing was littered with extra logs and construction equipment. An earth mover, a big crane thing with rotating blades at the end like an electric shaver, must be a tree harvester, Leo thought. And a long metal column with an axe blade like a sideways guillotine, a hydraulic axe. Why a giant needed construction equipment? Leo wasn't sure. He didn't see how the creature in front of him could even fit in the driver's seat. The giant Enceladus was so large, so horrible, Leo didn't even want to look at him. But... He forced himself to focus on the monster. 
To start with, he was 30 feet tall, easily as tall as the treetops. Leo was sure the giant could have seen them behind their ridge, but he, he seemed intent on the weird purple bonfire, circling it and chanting it under his breath. From the waist up, the giant appeared humanoid, his muscular chest clad in bronze armor decorated with flame designs. His arms were completely ripped. Each of his biceps was bigger than Leo. His skin was bronze but sooty with ash. His face was crudely shaped like a half-finished clay figure. But his eyes glowed white, and his hair was matted in shaggy dreadlocks down to his shoulders, braided with bones. From the waist down, he was even more terrifying. His legs were scaly green with claws instead of feet, like the forelegs of a dragon. In his hand, Enceladus held a spear the size of a flagpole. Every so often, he dipped its tip in the fire, turning the metal molten red. Okay, Coach Hedge whispered. Here's the plan. Leo elbowed him. You're not charging him alone. Oh, come on. Piper choked back a sob. Look. Just visible on the other side of the bonfire was a man tied to a post. His head slumped like he was unconscious, so Leo couldn't make out his face. But Piper didn't seem to have any doubts. Dad, she said. Leo swallowed. He wished this were a Tristan McLean movie. Then Piper's dad would be faking unconsciousness. He'd untie his bonds and knock out the giant with some cleverly hidden anti-giant gas. Heroic mood music would start to play and Tristan McLean would make his amazing escape, running away in slow motion while the mountainside exploded behind him. But this wasn't a movie. Tristan McLean was half dead and about to be eaten. The only people who could stop it? Three fashionably dressed teenage demigods and a megalomaniac goat. There's four of us, Hedge whispered urgently, and only one of him. Did you miss the fact that he's 30 feet tall? Leo asked. Okay, Hedge said. So you, me, and Jason distract him. Piper sneaks around and frees her dad. They all looked at Jason. What? Jason's asked. I'm not the leader. Yes, Piper said. You are. They they never really talked about it, but no one disagreed. Not even Hedge. Coming this far had been a team effort, but when it came to a life and death decision, Leo knew Jason was the one to ask. Even if he had no memory, Jason had kind of a balance to him. You could just tell he'd been in battles before, and he knew how to keep us cool. Leo wasn't exactly the trusting type, but he trusted Jason with his life. I hate to say it, Jason sighed, but Coach Hedge is right. A distraction is Piper's best chance. Not a good chance, Leo thought. Not even a survivable chance. Just their best chance. They couldn't sit there all day and talk about it, though. It had to be close to noon, the giant's deadline, and the ground was still trying to pull them down. Leo's knees had already sunk two inches into the dirt. Leo looked at the construction equipment and got a crazy idea. He brought out the little toy he'd made on the climb, and he realized what it could do. If he was lucky, which he almost never was, Let's boogie, he said, before I come to my senses. And that's the end of chapter 41. This fight is definitely going to be a fascinating fight to look into because I wonder whether Leo had installed some extra features inside that toy robot while he was climbing because it it prob it seemed it sounded like a very long climb. So I'm sure that Leo must have installed some interesting features that'll show up later on and this this toy robot 
may have may may be the major factor that saves everyone and even piper's dad so after this break we're going to read chapter 42 and see how this battle goes in a in in a in a few moments so after this break we're going to read chapter 42 leo And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 42, Leo. The plan went wrong almost immediately. Piper scrambled along the ridge, trying to keep her head down, while Leo, Jason, and Coach Hedge walked straight into the clearing. Jason summoned his golden lance. He brandished it over his head and yelled, GIANT! Which sounded pretty good, and a lot more confident than Leo could have managed. He was singing more along the lines of, WE ARE PATHETIC ANTS, DON'T KILL US! Enceladus stopped chanting at the flames. He turned toward them and grinned, revealing fangs like a saber-toothed tiger's. Well, the giant rumbled, what a nice surprise. Leo didn't like the sound of that. His hand closed on his wind-up gadget. He stepped sideways, edging his way toward the bulldozer. Coach Hedge shouted, Let the movie star go, you big ugly cupcake, or I'm gonna plant my hoof right up your... Coach, Jason said, shut up. Enceladus roared with laughter. I've forgotten how funny satyrs are. When we rule the world, I think I'll keep your kind around. You can entertain me while I eat all the other mortals. Is that a compliment? Hedge frowned at Leo. I don't think that was a compliment. Enceladus opened his mouth wide and his teeth began to glow. Scatter! Leo yelled. Jason and Hedge dove to the left as the giant blew fire, a furnace blast so hot even Festus would have been jealous. Leo dodged behind the bulldozer, wound up his homemade device, and dropped it into the driver's seat. Then he ran to the right, heading for the tree harvester. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw Jason rise and charge the giant. Coach Hedge ripped off his canary yellow jacket, which was now on fire, and bleated angrily, I like that outfit! Then he raised his club and charged too. Before they could get very far, Enceladus slammed his spear against the ground. The entire mountain shook. The shockwave sent Leo sprawling. He blinked, momentarily stunned. Through a haze of grass fire and bitter smoke, he saw Jason staggering to his feet on the other side of the clearing. Coach Hedge was knocked out cold. He'd fallen forward and hit his head on a log. His furry hindquarters were sticking straight up with his canary yellow pants around his knees. A view Leo really didn't need to really, really didn't need. The giant bellowed, I see you, Piper McLean. He turned and blew fire at a line of bushes to Leo's right. Piper ran into the clearing like a flushed quail, the underbrush burning behind her. Enceladus laughed, I'm happy you've arrived and you brought me my prizes. Leo's got twisted. This was the moment Piper had warned them about. They played right into Enceladus' hand. Hands. The giant must have read Leo's expression, because he laughed even louder. That's right, son of Hephaestus. I didn't expect you all to stay alive this long, but it doesn't matter. By bringing you here, Piper McLean has sealed the deal. If she betrays you, I'm as good as my word. She can take her father and go. What do I care about a movie star? Leo's, Leo could see Piper's dad more clearly now. He wore a dragged dress shirt and torn slacks. His bare feet were, were caked in mud. He wasn't completely unconscious because he lifted his head and groaned. Yep, Tristan McLean, all right. Leo had seen that face in enough movies. 
but he had a nasty cut down the side of his face, and he looked thin and sickly, not heroic at all. Dad! Piper yelled. Mr. McLean blinked, trying to focus. Pipes? Where? Piper drew her dagger and faced Enceladus. Let him go! Of course, dear, the giant rumbled. Swear your loyalty to me and we have no problem. Only these others must die. Piper looked back and forth between Leo and her dad. He'll kill you, Leo warned. Don't trust him. Oh, come now, Enceladus bellowed. You know I was born to fight Athena herself. Mother Gaia made each of us giants with a specific purpose, designed to fight and destroy a particular god. I was Athena's nemesis, the anti-Athena, you might say. Compared to some of my brethren, I am small, but I am clever, and I keep my bargain with you, Piper McLean. It's part of my plan. Jason was on his feet now, lance ready, but before he could act, Enceladus roared. A call so loud it echoed down the valley and was probably heard all the way to San Francisco. At the edge of the woods, half a dozen ogre-like creatures rose up. Leo realized with nauseating certainty that they hadn't simply been hiding there. They'd risen straight out of the earth. The ogre shuffled forward. They were small compared to Enceladus, about seven feet tall. Each one of them had six arms, one pair in the regular spot. Then an extra pair sprouting out the, the top of their shoulders. And another set started shooting from the sides of the ribcage. They wore only ragged leather and loincloths, and even across the clearing, Leo could smell them. Six guys who never bathed with six armpits each. Leo decided if he survived this day, he'd have to take a three-hour shower just to forget the stench. Leo stepped toward Piper. What? What are those? Her blade reflected the purple light of the bonfire. Gaganese. In English, Leo asked, the Earthborn, she said, sixth-armed giants who fought Jason, the first Jason. Very good, my dear, Enceladus sounded delighted. They used to live on a miserable place in Greece called Bear Mountain. Mount Diablo is much nicer. They are lesser children of Mother Earth, but they serve their purpose. They're good with construction equipment. Vroom, vroom, one of the earthborn bellowed, and the others took up the chance, each moving his six hands as though driving a car, as if it were some kind of weird religious ritual. Vroom, vroom. Yes, thank you, boys. And Sladis said, they also have a score to settle with heroes, especially anyone named Jason. Yay, son! The Earthborn screamed. They all picked up clumps of earth, which solidified in their hands, turning to nasty pointed stones. Where, Yason? Kill Yason! Enceladus smiled. You see, Piper, you have a choice. Save your father, uh, try to save your friends and face certain death. Piper stepped forward. Her eyes blazed with such rage, even the Earthborn backed away. She radiated power and beauty, but he had nothing to do with her clothes or her makeup. You will not take the people I love, she said. None of them. Her words rippled across the clearing with such force, the earthborn muttered, Okay, okay, sorry, and began to retreat. Stand your ground, fools! Enceladus bellowed. He snarled at Piper. This is why we wanted you alive, my dear. You could have been so useful to us. But, as you wish... Earthborn, I will show you Jason. Leo's heart sank. 
but the giant didn't point to Jason. He pointed to the other side of the bonfire, where Tristan McLean hung helpless and half-conscious. There is Jason, Enceladus said with pleasure. Tear him apart. Leo's biggest surprise. One look from Jason and all three of them knew the game plan. When had that happened, that they could read each other so well? Jason charged Enceladus while Piper rushed to her father, and Leo dashed for the tree harvester which stood between Mr. Mr. McLean and the Earthborn. The Earthborn were fast, but Leo ran like a storm spirit. He leaped toward the harvester from five feet and slammed into the driver's seat. His hands flew across the controls, and the machines responded with unnatural speed, coming to life as if he knew how important this was. Ha! Leo screamed and swung the crane arm through the bonfire, toppling burning logs onto the earthborn and spraying sparks everywhere. Two giants went down under a fiery avalanche and melted back into the earth, hopefully to stay for a while. The other four ogres stumbled across burning logs and hot coals while Leo brought the harvester around. He smashed a button and on the other end of the crane arm, and the wicked rotation, rotating blades began to whir. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see Piper at the stake, cutting her father free. On the other side of the clearing, Jason fought the giant, somehow mani- managing to dodge his massive spear and blasts of fire breath. Coach Hedge was still heroically passed out with his goat tail sticking up in the air. The whole side of the mountain would soon be ablaze. The fire wouldn't bother Leo, but if his friends got trapped up here, no, he had to act quickly. One of the Earthborn, apparently not the most intelligent one, charged the tree harvester and Leo swung the crane arm in his direction. As soon as the blades touched the ogre, he dissolved like wet clay and splattered all over the clearing. Most of him flew into Leo's face. He spit clay out of his mouth and turned the harvester toward the three remaining Earthborn, who backed up quickly. Bad vroom vroom, one yelled. Yeah, that's right, Leo yelled at him. You want some bad vroom vroom? Come on! Unfortunately, they did. Three ogres with six arms, each throwing large, hard rocks at super speed. And Leo knew it was over. Somehow, he launched himself in a backward somersault off the harvester half a second before a boulder demolished the driver's seat. Rocks slammed into metal. By the time Leo stumbled to his feet, the harvester looked like a crushed soda can, sinking in the mud. Dozer! Leo yelled. The ogres were picking up more clumps of earth, but this time they were glaring in Piper's direction. Thirty feet away, the bulldozer roared to life. Leo's makeshift gadget had done its job, burrowing into the earth's mo- earth mover's controls and giving it a temporary life of its own. It roared toward the enemy. Just as Piper had cut her father, father free and caught him in, in her arms, the giants launched their second vow volley of stones. The, do- the dozers swiveled in the mud, skidding to intercept, and most of the rocks slammed into its shovel. The force was so great it pushed the dozer back. Two rocks ricocheted and struck their throwers. Two more earthborn melted into clay. Unfortunately, one run rock hit the dozer's engine, sending up a cloud of oily smoke, and the dozer groaned to a stop. Another great toy broken. Piper dragged her father below the ridge. The last earthborn charged after her. Leo was out of tricks, but he couldn't let that monster get to Piper. He ran forward straight through the flames and grabbed something, anything, from his tool belt. Hey, stupid, he yelled and threw a screwdriver at the Earthborn. It didn't kill the ogre, but it sure got his attention. The screwdriver sang killed deep into the Earthborn's forehead like he was made of Play-Doh. The Earthborn yelped in pain and skittered to a halt. 
He pulled out the screwdriver, turned, and glared at Leo. Sadly, this last ogre looked like the biggest and nastiest of the bunch. Gaia had really gone out all creaturing him. With extra muscle upgrades, del deluxe ugly face, the whole package. Oh great, Leo thought. I've made a friend. You die, the Earthborn roared. Friend of Yason dies. The ogre scooped up handfuls of dirt, which immediately hardened into raw cannonballs. Leo's mind went blank. He reached into his tool belt, but he couldn't think of anything that would help. He was supposed to be clever, but he couldn't craft or build or tinker his way out of this one. Fine, he thought. I'll go out Blaze of Glory style. He burst into flames, yelled, Hephaestus, and charged at the ogre barehanded. He never got there. A blur of turquoise and black flashed behind the ogre. A gleaming bronze blade sliced up one side of the earthborn and down the other. Six large arms dropped to the ground, boulders rolling out of their useless hands. The earthborn looked down, very surprised. He mumbled, Arms go bye-bye. Then he melted into the ground. Piper stood there, breathing hard, her dagger covered with clay. Her dad sat at the ridge, dazed and wounded, but still alive. Piper's expression was ferocious, almost crazy like a cornered animal. Leah was glad she was on his side. Nobody hurts my friends, she said, and with a sudden warm feeling, Leo realized she was talking about him, and she yelled, Come on! Leo saw that the battle wasn't over. Jason was still fighting the giant Enceladus, and it wasn't going well. And that's the end of chapter 42. We'll have to wait until next week to see how this battle with Enceladus goes. Hopefully the trio will emerge victorious, and they're, and they're also able to go to Hera in time but this chapter has been extremely fascinating because of all the in increase uh, the amazing techniques that we saw from Leo and how his gadgets did actually come and help a lot with fighting the monsters it really took off some of the load from fighting the monsters without those machines than compared to with those machines so those machines helped a lot and i'm glad that piper was able to finally remove her dad from her from the stake and we'll also still have to see if piper's gonna give her dad that potion or if she thinks that he's strong enough to handle all of the stuff that he's seen but we'll find we'll probably find all of this out next week when we read chapter 43 and 44 i apologize for any pronunciations i've been doing i i am uh, i am trying my best and i hope that i can still improve on these pronunciations and if you guys want to support me my patreon link is located in the description of my podcast this is totally optional but if you guys want to do so you may do so and i really thank you for that and i thank you for listening to this podcast and until next week stay safe and stay out of boredom